Everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host, and it's so hot outside. I can't believe it. Again, I mean, it's almost like we're in summer. It's like August, the height of summer, but that doesn't matter. What I wanted to do is I wanted to relax and chill out and be by the pool. And I couldn't be by the pool, so I needed to be by a fish tank. But that's in the past. Because we're no longer near a fish tank. Because we've got these guys back. Now, when you come back on the show, you're officially a repeat offender. So with me, I've got <laughs> I've got two gentlemen that came together and decided, luckily, that their surnames made the best part or the best kind of gaming kind of company name you could come up with, which is quite literally Winsmith Games. So I've got David Smith. And I've got Travis Winstead. And they're not here to talk about 10-gallon tanks. They're moving on. They're here to talk about their junk drawer, which we're going to get into an awful lot. So, so hey, guys. Hey, gentlemen. Are you? How are you, first of all? Are you well? Let's, let's just pick Travis for this one. Are you well, Travis? Very well. I think since the last time we talked, uh, I had another kid. Dave, did you have two? <laughs> two kids? Um, <laughs> he's a victim of lock yeah. COVID, a victim of COVID lockdown, Real basically. <laughs> um, no, uh, really good. Um, I mean, the the pandemic was obviously put a lot of things on hold um, in terms of mm. also going to conventions. Um, yeah. But we were able to go to a number of them this year, and yeah. so um, we're back, baby. We're back. And are you saying that? Are you saying that to David just now? <laughs> <laughs> We're back. We're back, back baby. Show. We're back on the show. We're back in the car. We're kind of because um, obviously ten ten gallon tank went on and it funded pretty well and uh, kind of you obviously fulfilled that and leave that left you with like kind of lots of lovely backers and they all got their games. Um, and I take it did that then where you kind of like oh we've got to do the difficult second album now. How far along was kind of junk drawer? ready to go and how how much did you need to put it off to one side because of the effects of the pandemic then uh it was pretty far along um in development after we'd done 10 gallon tank actually mm. junk drawer spawned off of 10 gallon tank uh right. during the t- during the design and development of 10 gallon tank there's one point uh, travis and i were talking and he had thought about an idea of like what if mechanically you are collecting fish of different sizes and you're trying to fit them in aquariums and maybe you have different aquariums that give you points in different ways. And so um, we kind of took that idea, took it to the side and kind of worked on that and realized mechanically it was just a different game. 
so we split that off and um, um, yeah, so that that's what eventually became Junk Drawer. And Junk Drawer has been in development for like over three years. It's wow. been ready for a while, but uh, given the pandemic and our focus on 10-gallon tank and due to the craziness of like international freight and logistics and everything, yeah. we uh, decided to wait a little bit and um, until probably about like, yeah, until recently. So we held okay. off uh, our Junk Drawer Kickstarter for a while. So Travis, jumping on to you about the logistics side of things, did that, I take it, the 10-gallon tank was already fully fulfilled by um, by the time the kind of logistics crisis kind of really kind of stepped in, because it's becoming a crisis. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. seeing a lot of, I mean, I follow a lot of Kickstarter campaigns, and I'm getting updates from a lot of people saying, you know, and it's not the small guys, it's really the big guys who were kind of hunking kind of Two tons of plastic in every single type of box. I think the I think the most recent one was um, I keep getting this name wrong, but I think it's Oathsworn, and they literally went, guys, we're two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the in the red here. We kind of need you to kind of pitch in and help out. So when it came to you, when it came to you looking at the logistics and even the manufacturer uh, um, for junk drawer, did you were you still fo- were you still did you consider looking back into the US for kind of getting the manufacturing done this time when it came to junk drawer? Or is it still cost prohibitive and still worthwhile kind of taking the punt with getting it made in China? It's interesting that you say that. Um, so, yes, we, we did just dodge the, the shipping issues um, with 10-gallon tanks. So, luckily, we were able to fund in February and we fulfilled around September. Mm-hmm. Um, October, so that was so we we missed all that, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really driven a lot of decisions for us for price point. Um, we we hadn't considered uh, the U.S. until just recently, um, yeah. and so uh, we we do have a couple um, uh, quote requests out to U.S. folks. I, I did talk with some folks, and I think it still might be cheaper to do overseas and just pay the freight. But freight is about as expensive as producing the game yeah. or more. Um, and so that has, is definitely, we're feeling the pain um, just as a small publisher. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're hoping that the shipping costs continue to come down a little bit as we fund, but it, one of the decisions we made with junk drawer is that we didn't do with 10 gallon tank is collect shipping after. So we collected shipping for junk drawer or for 10 gallon tank during the campaign. Yeah. And that worked out fine. Yeah. Um, and, but now we are, we just, based on the things like the post war or that some other examples, um, having to wait to charge shipping. And also we've subsidized some shipping um, yeah. ourselves because it's just, it's too much to ask backers, um, to take it all on. Um, so that obviously eats up into margin. It was, is, I mean, is it a case that the manufacturing in America to can it just not deal with the be kind of looking at manufacturing myself and realizing if you were going kind of like here in the UK and even into Europe, they were wanting like thousands of orders in order to take on your order in the first place. And then the kind of the pricing didn't start to kind of nicely break down and make it more affordable until you were kind of like, you were literally having a print kind of like two and a half thousand, three thousand, five thousand units before you were kind of getting the kind of the economy of scale, I think is 
Jamie Stegmaier or world economists probably say. <laughs> so is that what you found when you were looking at potential manufacturers in the States as well? Yep. Mm-hmm. That they require a lot higher um, minimum order quantity. And I think it's also because they do a lot, they might do a lot of the production that, of smaller, smaller, mm-hmm. but more accessible games, like games that go to Walmart or Target where they're ordering 50,000 units at a time. Yeah. Um, so for, for us to be able to get, you know, custom components and a die mold and all that stuff, we probably have to, you know, we're going to have to pay a premium. Um, and, and those, those upfront costs get, you know, added into your, your unit price. Whereas if you had 50,000 units, you know, it's pennies, but if you only have 2000 units, it's dollars. Um, yeah. so yeah, it, it, it makes it really tough. We, we're still sort of jury still out as to whether, um, those quotes will come in lower or similar. Yeah. Um, so we're still, we're still waiting on that information. Okay. Okay. Did the, um, did the pandemic have an effect on your, um, so it's like, it's like, it was like, this is a question that's forming in my head. And you know, you stop yourself kind of halfway through saying something. But I was going to say, did the pandemic have an effect on your relationship in terms of the development side of things? I didn't mean was like, there are less kind of high fives and kind of beers on the porch together. But we're, I mean, are you still, are you pretty local to each other that you were still able to see each other through the pandemic? Or did that kind of, were you kind of like, kind of living almost like separate lives for a little while while you were kind of waiting for the plague to to pass. Yeah, we're Travis and I both are local to Northern Virginia in the mm. states uh outside the uh, uh Washington DC. Yeah. And also us being really close friends <clears throat> there it, what it didn't really make it any that much more difficult for us to see each other. Um, maybe the first few months where as families and we're really navigating and making those kinds of decisions of how comfortable are we to see anyone. Yeah. But after a few months, I mean, we started talking, you know, with other really close friends and family and decide like, Hey, you know, we're comfortable seeing these friends, you know, this weekend and you know going from there so uh, the biggest impact really was not a lot of not as many game nights or game nights kind of became digital on like tabletop simulator and discord yeah um so like the kind of the in-person game nights have you know slowed stopped for a long time and now have obviously slowed down some so but in terms of getting together hanging out uh, uh even doing play testing we're still able to do that for the most part. It really mm-hmm. was the first few months where, uh, I mean, like first few months of 2020 where we're really navigating our decisions and comfort level and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then obviously you went off and had whole bunches of kids amongst you. <laughs> I mean, there's like, for what you were saying earlier, there's like an extra three years, you know, extra three game designers kind of ready to just go out there and keep the Winsmith name kind of going which is which is kind of which is kind of kind of exciting did you um did you end up kind of considering kind of um an implementation on say board game arena or tabletop simulator or tabletopia or anything like that then travis for either 10 gallon tank or for junk drawer um both actually i mean the the pandemic forced uh forced us to to actually put together tabletop simulator mods, which actually was very helpful because not only did we learn tabletop simulator, but for those games, mm-hmm. but then 
um, Dave started putting them into some of his other games that he was testing um, into Tabletop Simulator as well. So that was definitely helpful. Um, we haven't really gone outside of Tabletop Simulator. Um, that was yeah. when we, we knew the best. Um, but there are some other platforms that we're considering um, after, you know, junk drawer funds, yeah. fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much a, a forcing function, especially when we did, we did do Gen Con online one of the years and they oh, had, right. okay. um, so people signed up to do all digital play tests. And so we, um, we had uh, a TTS mod and people kind of coming in and out playing the game, which was cool. Um, Does that open up for more feedback then? Because oh, I'm, because I'm aware that it's, it's obviously a lot easier to say, you know, I knew at the beginning, like, look at it this way, when, when I was in, when the pandemic kind of hit us, and basically I remember it was March and there was a convention meant to be on that weekend. And a lot of people I know went, it was Aircon, um, down in a lovely place called Harrogate. And I never went, and I was like, I'm kind of, I was happy I did, but I know that in the following months that everybody went board game arena daft. You know, yeah. everybody was going on there where they were playing kind of and and i think that really helped not only ramp up board game arena and everybody's kind of immediate vicinity in their area you know in their minds but i think it also had an awful lot to do with asthma day kind of turning around and saying right we're going to acquire these ones just in case the entire country decides to shut down again um so i was very aware that my taste in terms of games i mean i had a lot of it's really strange i had a lot of physical games sitting on the shelf that i couldn't play so yeah. I ended up playing like a whole pile of games on Board Game Arena and a whole pile of games that I still was absolutely terrible at because it was, I couldn't stop halfway through and say, hey, let me just check the rules here because it was <laughs> almost a little bit more trickier to kind of to kind of check the rules. Um, I would say that, to your point, I would just say that actually helped yeah. me stop spending as much money on board games um, because a lot of these games came out on Board Game Arena and I, yeah. when we first, I think Dave would agree when we first got into the hobby, it was like, buy every board game that you think looks cool and then some would sit on your shelf and you i still have games i haven't played um but with with tts you can kind of say okay this game i really want to play it i don't think mm -hmm. i could ever get a group together to play it regularly but I at least have yeah. an opportunity to enjoy the game um and so i've done that on a number of occasions with games yeah um didn't buy them but we're still able to kind of enjoy them and you're and able another... to like sorry you were gonna say <clears throat> I was gonna say, and another thing, one of our other really good friends who we see like twice a year, he just mm. has a knack for like analyzing and like deconstructing a game to choices, and I don't know, his mind's like very development focused and design focused, and so he lives up in uh, upstate New York. He's not close; he's like ten hours away. But wow. uh, once the once we started playing games digitally and putting them in a tabletop simulator mm -hmm. i mean our friend who we only got to see uh like twice a, a year and talk and play games you know so you know infrequently now we're playing like every other week with them and gosh that was a huge help uh in terms of just knowing people who could really you know help focus the development of a game that really helped with the kind of like the play testing because I guess you could say to somebody, I just need you to play test this slight bit and say, look, does this work? If does this number of cards work? And I suppose it's, you can, it, I know in, in some cases, if you're a physical hard copy, you can muck around with cards and stuff like that. But I guess it's quite easier to introduce a card and tabletop simulator and say, right, we're going to have four spaces on this instead of three spaces and just, 
do a quick change in tabletop simulator and send it out there was play testing it's probably involving scissors and glue and paper and stuff like that <laughs> so did it make doing kind of like making slight changes to the play test version a little bit easier or was it the same amount of work really um it's a little i don't know it's pretty similar because <clears throat> in the digital space of updating tabletop simulator you do have to go through all the cards on spreadsheets. So all you right. still have to type up, you know, the revisions. You have to, then there's another software that we use called Nandec that mm -hmm. takes and reads everything from uh, spreadsheets and it, it prints it off into a format that Tabletop Simulator recognizes um, and then upload everything. So there are a few steps to it. Um, and the same, so, and the same thing with physical prototypes, it's, if I'm make, making a whole nother game into a brand new prototype, yes, that takes time. But if mm -hmm. I'm just updating a few cards and a few tweaks, it's, it's yeah. simple. I, I've gotten to the point where I can, you know, revise 10 cards in, I don't know, five minutes yeah. or so. So then, did you think, was there any point, was there any point that you sat down and thought, should we just put everything on hold until we know things are going to go back to normal? Or are we just kind of like, well, we're just going to speed ahead anyway. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're just going to keep going until, until we can't go back. You know, we've gone so far now. Going back now is a bit ridiculous. It's a bit silly thing to do. We, we did do that for a while. Um, <clears throat> but I think at some point it was kind of like, you know, if not now, when? Um, <clears throat> and we kind of figured... As the the shipping crisis stuff started to you know go down, um, mm -hmm. and stuff started to available to open up, and we knew you know it's going to be you know, eight or nine months before you know the boats leave the the ports. Um, yeah, it, hopefully we'll be in a position where um, it, the prices aren't exorbitantly higher, um, which is why again we we decided to do shipping afterwards, and we have a table in it that says like these are approximate shipping costs. Um, you know, big old letters like. These are all approximate and will be charged after the campaign. Um, so that is something that we, um, it, it was just, you know, at some point we have to make another game. Um, with conventions coming back, it, it just seemed, it just seemed like we, uh, you know, we had to keep going, um, especially with Junk Drawer since it was so far along. We were actually play testing uh, the mechanics, the mechanical design at one of our local designer groups and play testing groups. Uh, and the local group's called Break My Game. It's for local designers and playtesters to get together and try each other's game, build, you know, learn from each other and, you know, kind of refine them. And we were actually playing with uh, another local designer and he said something along the lines of like uh, having these different items and different shapes, you know, placing them in multiple quadrants kind of felt like organizing a junk drawer and that that would be a really neat theme for it. And yeah, we talked about that for quite a bit. We, uh, and, you know, Travis and I talked about what would be a good theme. We bounced a lot of ideas off each other. Like it could be uh, organizing flowers in a flower bed or, you know, um, planting rose bushes or, you know, uh, flower bushes we talked about doing like a zen garden style organization um, and other more abstract themes like putting items into time capsules where you could have a lot of fun with what the items were 
But um, Junk Drawer kind of, I don't know, really spoke to us and uh, we got a decent amount of feedback that it's kind of fun. It's, you know, uh, it's an interesting theme that kind of fits the mechanics of these are random items. So they're all random shaped. And in the game, every tile, every item is a unique shape. So that junk uh, theme kind of fit that style of play. So we, we met the artist through someone um, that we have known and, you know, kind of reached out to initially. And she had said that, uh, unfortunately, after talking with her a while, she said that she was unable to, um, due to, I think, another project, was unable to work with us. But she said she knows a few artists that she reached out to. And we connected with uh, Asha Farmer, who... Um, actually happened to be local to us. Uh, She's a student. She was a student in Baltimore, Maryland, and um, she's no longer a student. She's graduated, but we really liked her artwork a lot, a lot. I'm aware that junk in American can mean something else. So are you aware of the potential double entendre in relation to having a junk drawer? Or is that your intention? It was kind of there so immature children like me would look at your game and go. I think as long as it's not paired with kind of junk trunk, drawer. I think as long as it's not paired with trunk, we're okay. Yes, I think that would be. So that junk would be drawer. Entirely... I think I think we're okay, but if if junk was paired with trunk, we might have an issue. Yeah. <laughs> then it might be you might end up in some kind of Twitter storm. I think if you ended up like exactly. talking about kind of like junk, you know, jump trunk instead of uh, junk. Yeah, I've managed to lower the tone in this entire conversation. You were having a lovely <laughs> conversation about artwork. And I've just come back in here and made an absolute mess of kind of absolutely everything. So, uh, yeah, so that that is that is basically that. But um, you mentioned that the idea came from almost like an evolution of 10-gallon tank, except what you were looking at was kind of like items of different size. So is it is that the kind of the basis behind the game? Is it kind of like a, um, is it kind of like almost like a tetratrominoes kind of game where you're fitting kind of different sizes of stuff into a draw? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So in the game, um, players are organizing you know, 21 different items into four different compartments, you know, organized compartments of of their junk drawer. But Mm -hmm. every item is a unique shape. So unlike like a game like Tetris, right, where we've all played awesome games, super fun, there are five different shapes in Tetris. But in junk drawer, there are 21. And everyone, every player has their own set of 21 tiles and there's no duplicates. And so actually when we were talking about the... Uh, theme early in the design and development. We were at a local playtesting group for designers and playtesters. They're called Break My Game. Excuse me. One of the local designers had mentioned um, we didn't really have a theme yet on the game. We were just kind of playtesting, you know, the the mechanics of it. And he's like, well, what about the junk drawer? You know, all these are kind of like random items. It's kind of like junk and you're just organizing it a little bit. So um, yeah, he had mentioned junk drawers as a potential theme, but we talked about lots of different options, like, I don't know, like organizing, you know, designing a Zen garden where you have different portions of that, you know, and it's kind of abstract, 
the, we talked about like planting uh, flowers in a you know flower garden. We talked about more abst- other abstract ones like uh, placing items into time capsules where we could have fun with you know different items and different themes of items in time capsules. But so yeah, we we definitely talked a, a lot about the, the different themes there. Super cool. Okay, so in terms of kind of do, doing your research into finding items for junk drawer, how many of the items that are in the game junk drawer are based on items that are in your own junk drawers? And are you, do you both have, and obviously I am probably aware this is a stupid question because you both have kids, but do you both have very active and very full kind of junk drawers that have everything from like scissors to keys to white tack to like mysterious bags and also one key that you don't know what it's for you don't know what it unlocks you've never seen it before in your life and it's just magically appeared overnight every drawer in my house is a junk drawer (laughs) yeah it's not a question of if i have a junk drawer it's how many junk drawers do i have in every room of the house (laughs) (laughs) have you i mean do i mean with i'm assuming you've got kind of like young kids so, yep. do they do they contribute? Do they contribute oh. to the junk junk drawer? Do they put like helpful things, like the well, TV remote you control know in the, the drawer and stuff? Part, like? The hardest part of it was actually. Um, so each of the, they mentioned each of the items is unique size. So we started with you know just a, a one by one, and then it goes mm. all the way up to every combination of a five by five. There are some some funky shapes. And so our original prototype had, you know, everything from Google that I could find um, searching junk drawer, trying to find items that fit in those shapes. And it is very tough, especially like (laughs) a plus shape. It's tough to find a real item. I think originally I had scissors that were opened. I don't know who has like open scissors in their junk drawer, Um, but it was actually kind of tough. We had to brainstorm with our artists Hey, can you, if you can think of other things, you know, by all means, like take creative liberty and just put them in there. And she did a, she did a great job. And so there were some that were like, okay, this is definitely, we want this one in. And there's some like, we don't have a great idea for this. So, you know, go nuts, find something that you like and, and just draw it. And she did a good job because she kept probably about half the items that were in our original, just prototype, you know, proof of concept. Mm-hmm. But then other half, she just found other ones to use that were better or either maybe just more colorful or looked better from a graphic or illustrative standpoint. Did it make more sense to kind of just include some random stuff that was going to kind of increase the, the color then? I mean, have you did you just tell the artist, just look, you just do what you want color wise because we want to make this kind of bright and colorful and kind of interesting. Yeah, that, that was pretty much exactly what we told her. We said, we want this to be really, really vibrant, um, mm-hmm. with lots of different colors. And so if, you know, if something would normally have like a, a brown handle, make it pink or make it, you know, like just where it makes sense, add color yeah. to it. And so that the items all stand out um, as you put them on the, on the board. And has that kind of given you kind of opportunities to kind of do, I guess, kind of, th- themed expansions and stuff like that then i can imagine you could do like a christmas expansion with junk that you'd find in a you know christmas cracker and stuff like that i can imagine you could do like a halloween one different halloween things and candies and stuff like that 
So is that kind of, I guess but, with it leaving it open, you could put in it kind of pretty much anything, I guess. That's funny you mentioned that because when we <clears throat> were talking about like different themes and even different styles <clears throat> of, of themes, we had mentioned uh, talking just with play testers, you know, over the last couple of years, like, Hey, what do you think about a junk drawer theme? Uh, mm. What do you think about these other themes? We're just kind of asking them more objectively, you know, giving them options and see which ones they picked. And like some people said like, Oh, junk drawer is really neat, but what if you make it more whimsical and made it, you know, a superhero's junk drawer or a wizard's junk drawer where the, a, a flashlight might be, you know, the staff of light projection or something. I don't know. Just, but we did come up even with like similar, like tangential, uh, like junk drawer themes. And is that a plan to put it into the, you know, going forward? Is that a plan if, you know, when the game funds down the line? to maybe think about kind of expansions along that line? Or are you just waiting to see if the, you know, where, what happens with the, the funding that you get at the moment? Yeah, I don't know if this is, we haven't really talked at length about any future expansions or additions of Junk Drawer. Uh, or, uh, it's the type of game that everyone really enjoys it when they play it. Uh, we've even had, to, to be honest, people say like, oh, junk drawer, you know, how exciting is that? But they play it and they're like, I get it. Like the theme matches the mechanics perfectly. Um, but in terms of like second editions or expansions, uh, I'm not sure if we're at the point where we're going to consider doing, you know, junk drawer, you know, edition two or like an expansion. Now, yeah. we might come up with, like, promo packs and things, because right now on our Kickstarter page, uh, you'll see, like, we developed this game with 24 goals. And so yeah. there's... A, and you only use four in a game. So, yeah. Sorry yeah. about that. And so you only use four in a game, but it comes with 24. So there's a whole lot of replayability there. Yeah. But actually talking with, like, a reviewer just a few months ago, he was asking about, like, Kickstarter exclusives and promos and additional things and through that discussion uh we did kind of come up with um for like a, a new type of goal so we we have a promo pack that does include four unique goals to it so yeah yeah i'm kind of a bit funny about kickstarter kind of exclusives and stuff like that because not being funny but nine times out of ten then the kickstarter exclusive seems to be the game you know, just with the kind of the current climate and, you know, people having kind of spare copies that they can then take to retail, is that a lot of the time, um, I think people are spending an awful lot of money that, that you, is spending an awful lot of money on manufacturing and stuff like that, that actually having the kind of game there. Um, I think Kickstarter exclusives are fine if you are going to be offering a lot of bloat. And I think there's some guys out there that just you expect if they didn't do like a Kickstarter exclusive, then you'd be like, oh, what's going on here? Is something, you know, are you are you not well? You're not feeling well. And I think we're kind of aware of like some of the bigger characters out there that all they seem to do is kind of like Kickstarter exclusive stuff that you'll never get back. So, yeah, I, 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 
I I, I kind of like the co- I like the concept that you guys have got. So I'd like I'd, I'd be interested to see what else would be out there, basically. All right, and yeah, to to be clear, we're, they're not we're not calling them Kickstarter exclusives, and they're not going to be exclusive to kick to Kickstarter. Yeah, they'll be promos. So we do have a four pa- uh, four goals uh, that were are just a promo pack. So. <clears throat> um, that everyone who backs the game will get get it. Even the retailers, our retailer pledge, uh, retailers will get the promo packs. And mm-hmm. it's obviously something that, you know, if we fund and we take the game eventually down the road to um, conventions and things like that, we'll have promo packs that just ex- expand the game a little bit more. But mm-hmm. we did consciously want to avoid the, the term, the phrase Kickstarter exclusive, because we don't want to people to think like the only way you'll get this promo pack is through Kickstarter. It's a Kickstarter exclusive. And if you miss the boat, then yeah. you're just, you know, SOL. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, um, I, I'm guessing you went to Gen Con. Yes. Were you, did you have a stand at Gen Con or were you just along there to, to kind of pay a visit? We, we didn't have a booth. Um, what we've done almost every year we've gone to Gen Con. So we've gone like I think six times now. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember, Dave, if we went the first year, but the um, <clears throat> on all the other years we've gone to or we participated in the first exposure playtest hall, mm-hmm. which is basically just a separate small little area um, that people go in and they when they go in there, they know they're signing up to play very rough games. Some games are just pen and paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we go in there and get everybody who who's in there knows they're going to be giving real feedback to games that they might see down the road. Yeah. Um, and so we do that and we do like, uh, we went there, we actually had junk drawer with us, but we, it, what we didn't have dedicated time to it. Um, but right. the other, other games that we were testing, um, were short enough. Uh, each block is two hours. We're yeah. short enough that yeah. we were able in every session to, uh, pull out junk drawer and play a couple games. And we had a lot of people, who came over and wanted to play junk drawer um, after they were done playing their other games. So I, I kind of wish we had dedicated um, a time slot to it, but it, it's one of those things where junk drawer was pretty much done and we had a couple other designs we wanted to test. Um, so yeah. we, we had it there as a sort of after, after we're done. So do you have quite a few ex- other designs in the back burner then at the moment? Yep. So we have um, we have two other games we're working on um, actively right now. I would say, and another a bunch of other games um, that are in some stage of development. Um, we we do have a game that is signed. Um, we're co-publishing oh. with another publisher, and uh, which will, will likely be twenty twenty three. Can't say anything more than that, other than the the game is signed, right. and we're we're still working on development. And then the other game we were working on is sort of a. Um, it's a tile placement game, but in a, in a roll and write style. So it's a, it's called mm-hmm. Dwarven Minds, and it's about um, a lot of games are just like, you know, place tiles down and get whatever resources you cover up. This is, you have, you know, let's just pretend there's just an open ground. And yeah. when you, you have to excavate tiles, so you have to you know, yeah. excavate them and build buildings, but then you actually have to, or sorry, you have to excavate and clear the area. And then you actually have to build a building on top of it to get any resources from it. Um, so there's, there's it's sort of a two-layer um, design that we're working on um, that we've gotten a lot of good feedback on. Um, so those are the two I think we're working on. We have, a, a, a like I said, other ones that are in either just on hold right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but and and so those are but those are the two main ones we're working on along with junk drawer so it's been very busy with you um with obviously you both you know having having kids is your is your focus are you bearing in mind these are games that people might want to play with their kids then because I mean, ten ten gallon tank was extremely colourful, colourful and lovely. Junk drawer again, very very colourful and lovely. I mean, at the back of your mind, are you saying, well, these are like these are kind of like games I want to sit down and play with the kids when they're you know they can play around quite simply when they're kind of like three four years of age. Once they get to five or six, we can actually play you know properly, and once they get to seven or eight, they can be whipping my ass on the table and making me cry. <laughs> I mean, kind of my- thing. My six-year-old loves playing ten-gallon tank, and he's yeah. good at it. Um, uh, you know, we'll be we'll go through, and he'll beat me every now and then. Just you know, he understands that strategy. I I don't know. It wasn't a I won't say it's a it was a driving factor yeah. for us, um, but it it was in the back of our minds. And knowing that it was a simple card game, one way to make it stand out is artwork. And so yeah. that was a huge focus for both games. Um, and I think we probably mentioned last time we were on with you, that our strategy has been, you know, we have bigger games, but our strategy has been, we want, you know, the smaller games that we have, we'd rather do those first and sort of learn. Yeah. Um, you, you could argue that um, maybe doing those, it, you're, it's a tougher road because you're, you know, you don't have awesome minis or, you know, huge play mats or anything like that, that people might instantly, you know, back you without thinking about it. But at the same time, if you make a mistake on those campaigns, you might be underwater like some of the major publishers were. Um, and so we started junk drawer was sort of the natural progression from just a card game to just yeah. a tile laying game without a ton of components. Um, and so that combined with, it, it is a family game, but it is a, a thinky game, especially yeah. the, the harder goals. We do have hard goals, medium and easy goals. And the hard ones are really thinky and they challenge all the people who've played it, nobody's been like, ah, this is too simple. I don't want to play again. It's like, oh, yeah. just wow, that was, man, I didn't realize, you know, how much each of these organizing this actually mattered. I want to play again. How, ex- how exciting was it to get signed when somebody said, right, I'm, I don't, I'm not interested in kind of sales figures, projections or anything like that. Somebody says, look, I see the idea here. It's a good one. I'm going to, Let's ex- let's exchange contracts here, and and, and we can and we can work together. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really interesting um, <clears throat> for our what's going to be our third game that we're co-publishing. We were at um, a convention in Baltimore called Unpub, and it's all for unpublished games. It's really a convention yeah, yeah. for designers and not publishers, but a lot of publishers attend these. As people to, you know, go and play, you know, what are designers making and they find games that they might be interested in signing. And so um, the other game uh, that we had with us, um, we had a lot of people play it. Feedback was way better than what we expected. And we had been playing it with uh, outside friends and families over the past couple of years. But this was the first time where, you know, we were we took it to a public event in person with a lot of people and um actually one play tester was playing and he uh he had i think talked with a couple of the publishers that were there and said hey you might be interested in this go try it and then we had 
a handful of publishers come play it and they were just really impressed with, with it. So it was neat because we are also a publisher and we want to obviously be a publisher as well. And so we talked a lot about, should we just publish this ourselves? Should we not? It's a game that has a lot more art assets involved. And so there's going to be just a lot more of an upfront cost. And, and right. If it's the game where we think might blow up a little bit more, Uh, having working with someone who has a lot more connections uh, just might make that happen better or just might get it the game out in front of more people right than what maybe me and Travis can do so uh, that was part of the decision as well but it was very exciting like it was kind of like a surreal weekend when we had multiple publishers you know kind of share their interest and say like hey let's you know, this is something we're interested in. It's like, um, it's the opposite of kind of like, um, it's like with a Kickstarter, you put in so much work as you're aware on the marketing, getting the name out there, just getting people to notice and comment and, you know, obviously, obviously pledge. And then to be on the other side of it, where you've got several people kind of courting you on the other side and saying, actually, you know, how about if we did this for this and we could do this for you? And you're kind of like, you're saying, well, you've, you've done all the work. You've still, you know, you're still doing all the work. You're still doing all the development. But I guess if you're not kind of, if your marketing side of things isn't entirely your comfort zone to have somebody coming in and just kind of saying, we're going to take this from you must be, in my mind, that must be kind of like it must. It must be a really, really kind of really, really kind of cool feeling. As, as as far as I can see, has that off the back of that? Do you think this could be a stepping stone to get you away from Kickstarter and everything that kind of surrounds that, or are you still going to use the Kickstarter platform regardless? <clears throat> tough, tough question. I guess it depends on um, the nature of the game, but <clears throat> we do see this as an opportunity to build up, let's just say, our our business coffers, um, and and that's what we've been trying to do by incrementally um, producing these games. Is as we as we build a catalog, um, there's more opportunity that at at conventions we could sell, you know, our the, the newest game we have plus our other games. We've actually found on on this campaign we have sold a a decent amount of copies of 10 gallon tank as an add on to the original mm. to, to junk drawer, um, which is great for us because the, those are already produced. So we're able to just, you know, add the shipping cost on and then ship them. Um, but I think we would consider it, but we would need, you know, probably some substantial amount. And, and I think the biggest thing is we need a big network and <clears throat> that's, in talking with some of the publishers, I mean, we're, we're definitely not there yet in terms of having a 20,000 person mailing list. Um, that's yeah. something that somebody quoted to us and we were like, holy cow, like, how do you, how do you get 20,000 people on a mailing list? Um, or you need to have, you know, 5,000 followers of your project on day one of Kickstarter to get funded day one. So the, those types of things um, are, are like metrics that we're looking at. And so yeah. Kickstarter does make sense for, probably most of our projects for the near future. But yeah. again, being able to, uh, to build up that and, and have additional money to, to put into and, and, and get that first run of a game um, without having to pay, you know, 10, 11% in fees, that would be ideal. Yeah. And then you get, you do get yeah. these games that go like go out to publish and, and they really kind of set fire 
to the world and people absolutely love them and then they just become kind of like evergreens. I mean, you know, and there there is that there is that chance for those, you know, there's a lot of published games that kind of go out there that don't need the hype with Kickstarter. And the thing I find with the thing I find with Kickstarter and is that and you can understand with the people that I've spoken to in the last kind of was it six is it six years? Is it six years? Is it six oh my is it six, oh my goodness, it's six years now, right? <laughs> is that there are people that you see coming back again and again and again, but there are a lot of people that they've done their game and that's it and they, they kinda of disappear. And some of them kinda of like they've done their game and they disappear, and some of them, like yourself, end up getting signed up into a publishing house and then they're just ending up kind of producing games after game after game for them. So um yeah, so that's kind of cool. Um I'm conscious about the main mechanics. So I am going to I've got two sides of the alphabet I could pick, I guess. I'm going to open my drawer and I'm going to pick out the first right. So I've come out with a di- there's a diary in here. So there was a diary and a mobile phone, so it could be telephone or diary. So I think I'm going to go to a diary and I'm going to ask David. Yeah. David Give us the base. Here we go. Give us the base mechanics. If I'm opening up my junk drawer, what can I expect to find? Oh, so if you were opening your junk drawer, you're going to. Well, if you're opening one of my junk drawers, it's going to be a little messy. <laughs> and if also, if you're like me, you're going to want it to not be messy, and you're going to want to organize it. Uh, and it's great to open up a drawer and see all everything's like organized organized real nice there's separation yeah. you don't have you know kids play-doh covering up your mobile phones uh and so uh but with with junk drawer the game um like i said that every player has their unique shaped items and the goal is to get the most points and at the end of the game every of the four quadrants the compartments are going to give you points based on that quadrant's unique goal and the tiles and that you have in that corresponding quadrant. So um, that's kind of what the goal is with Junk Drawer. When you open it, you want it to see that everything is kind of laid out really nice uh, to uh, in that specific organizational compartment. Is that right, Travis? Absolutely. <laughs> Nailed it. There you go. That's what you want. Um yeah, I'm a bit. I come. I'm a bit of fan of the kind of like the um, shapey type of games and stuff like that. The kind of the the spatial awareness type games. I'm kind of. I I think I'm kind of like. A, you kind of you know you think think I'm a Euro gamer and it turns out no actually I'm a kind of guy that just likes making stuff into shapes and then building them. I've been playing Tiny Towns recently, which is all about kind of making different shapes in order to build buildings, and I find. That's in my mm-hmm. happy little place. You know, I wrote a review about it quite recently, and it was like my little kind of happy, happy little place. Um, if people are wanting to get into your, ha- <laughs> that sounds weird. Oh, that's another question that's come out and says, "Why am I saying that?" But if people want to go out to your happy place, they can pledge, and if they pledge thirty-five dollars, they get the base game, which is about twenty-nine pounds. And if they pledge sixty-five dollars they get uh, two copies of the games with two promo packs as well. And if they want the print and play version, it's just $9 to get that. And that gets you a copy of the junk drawer print and play 
delivered through the pledge manager. Or if you want to just, and I'm going to start saying this, if you want to just jump on and show a little bit of support and then help spread the word of Junk Drawer throughout your own little Kickstarter network, you can jump on and you can chuck a buck. And if you chuck a buck, then it'll tell everybody else that you've chucked a buck, and they'll be aware of the they'll be aware of the campaign. You've got fifth at the time of recording. I've set myself an editing task with this. I tell you, with computers <laughs> and stuff. There's about two weeks to go. Um, you're currently sitting on it's about twelve thousand six hundred dollars out of an eighteen thousand dollar goal. Um, and that's what's left. That is what's left to go. Have I missed anything out, gentlemen? Is there anything else you would like to add? One one thing I would add, and um, that we we actually just had kind of posted about an update. But one of the cool things about the game is, um, I mean, some people might not think it's cool, but we do. Uh, is <laughs> it's there is no player interaction, so everybody right. gets their own tiles, and so you can play this solo. Um, mm-hmm. You can play it with four other people. If you, um, like Dave and I, usually have big board game nights and it's harder to get these types of games to the table when you have a lot of other, you know, for, for me, uh, I live a little bit further out than where, you know, most of the people are concentrated. So when I, when I have a game night, I send it out to 15 people and I expect that five will come. But sometimes yeah. 10 show up. And so it's, it'd be hard for me to pull out, um, you know, games, puzzle games like this. Uh, with just a copy, but the two copies actually expands the game from one to four to one to eight. So again, there's no player interaction. You, everybody just needs their own set of tiles, their own board, one set of the goals, um, and you can you can do that. So that is that is definitely I think a selling point. It's it's hmm. a savings of five bucks, um, and it's and it's going to be a savings of shipping too. But that is one of the unique things of expanding the game just by buying multiple copies. I do like when games um, have that ability. Yeah. Especially when it's like I was at the board game club on Friday and it's the second time I've been there since two odd years. And there was people still turning up that I hadn't seen for like two and a half years. So there was ended up like eight or nine of us around the table. And it was kind of like we, we ended up playing like, we ended up having to split the group, which is rubbish. Yep. So you ended up like banishing two people over there. You go, you go over there, and we'll have a six-player game of this game, which was again tiny towns. But we also uh, tried uh, March of the Ants, which is one of Tim Eisner's games, um, and that's complicated and lovely and tricky. Um, but it was kind of good fun. But you know, the the having having a game where you can say, well, we can do eight players. Let's face it, buy buy three copies and bring yourself in twelve players. You know, have a dozen people <laughs> round. <laughs> pretty much gonna do that that's fine um so the kickstarter is live as i said just now it's got about two weeks left if people now obviously we said this last time but if people want to find out where you exist on the internet webs where do you exist on the internet webs travis uh twitter is the <clears throat> our our biggest presence um we are very active on twitter um so it's mm-hmm. at winsmith games um all one word mm-hmm. no spaces no symbols um, yeah, that's where that's where you can find us, interact with us. We um, post a lot there, and we interact through DMs as well. Um, so I would say that's the the biggest place. We do have a website, um, winsmithgames.com. You can go there, and it links to the Kickstarter. Um, it links to if you want to buy a copy of Ten Gallon Tank. Although I would suggest if you did want to get a copy of Ten Gallon Tank and you're interested in Junk Drawer, pledge through the campaign, and you can get an add-on copy of uh, of Ten Gallon Tank that way. Um, 
but those are the two main. We do have a presence on Facebook. Um, it's not nearly as as big as what we are on Twitter, um, but we are we're working to change that. It's sort of like there's only two of us, and there's a ton of platforms. Um, I'm yeah. thinking about starting a Winsmith Games TikTok here soon. Do that? No, I'm not. But it's it's you know I was a big poo poo to, to but you know it's like ridiculous. It's like it's like I put one on TikTok, which is just me holding kind of like the tiny tiny box and just quite saying it's not very tiny is it and it's like you get 600 <laughs> people looking at it you know it's like, it's like i can put like a well thought out tweet out there you know it's like oh i believe that in the essence of man we're all kind of one mass of energy that interacts until we return back to the cosmos at the end of our lives so be positive to everybody other so we can build each other up in an energy point and you get like one like and it's like boring oh, you know exactly. Whereas I, I can like, yeah. I literally put like a, I literally like put a five second video. Just literally says it's no very tiny, is it? And it's like yeah, seven hundred and ten <laughs> views. It's like what is going on with? Probably that. says more about our society in a bad way than in a good way. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, so what we'll do is we'll make sure we put all those links in the show notes so we've got notes to show. If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, you can't believe we just talked about TikTok. Um. Then you can go to the various places on the internet webs. Just search for We Are Not Wizards. You'll find us. Uh, if you're looking for the webs, if you're looking for the podcast, you can go to wearenotwizards.com. If you're looking for the blog, you can go to wearenotwizards.co.uk. If you're looking for, uh, we're on Twitter and we're on Instagram and we're on Facebook and we're on, we're probably on some kind of police watch list as well, to be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> um, and if you like what you've listened to, and I hope you've liked what you've listened to, because I don't even know what this is going to sound like on the other side of it after my computer decided to break it for me. Um, then consider going to the Apple iTunes. The Apple i Did they even call it the Apple iTunes? I don't even know. But um, if you do like the show, then consider giving us a rating or a review. And as we say, if you are going to give us a rating or a review, don't give us 10 stars, because it makes us big-headed. But don't give us one star, because it makes us cry. Give us something in the middle, like a fact. Because <laughs> it's average, and I'm just a little bit average. Um, hey, Richard, not being... I got a question. Yes, <clears throat> yes, I got a question for you because I see this on, on Twitter a lot and some posts. Like, where did we're not wizards come from? Because I see lots of posts about you know joking that you are wizards. See, it, there's two ways to look at this. Okay, right. <laughs> if you look at the actual. Right, okay. Basically, right, I used to go to a board game club, and I still go to the board game club, but when I used to go to the board game club, there was a person at work who's, who shall name, who shall remain nameless, Tristan, um, who used to say, <laughs> oh, you're gonna, you're gonna be like, you know, waving your magic wand, you're gonna be like, you know, going, you shall not pass, and everything like that, and I was like, you're very funny. Um, and I says, you know, we're just, just, it's not that kind of thing. I just would just, you know, it's not, I don't play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm just not, I'm not a wizard. And it kind of came from there. But the other way to look at it, the other way to look at it is if you look at the handle, it actually doesn't have the apostrophe in it. So it's were not wizards. So were we not wizards in the past and now we are wizards? And I'm just going to leave that. <laughs> it's kind of like the end of Inception where you've just got to decide am I spinning my wizard hat on the table and I'm waiting for it to fall or not fall? And it cuts just before the end kind of thing. So that's where it came from, kind of thing. 
You know, it's kind of like you're all going to turn around and realise that I've been looking at the notice board behind you and just making up some kind of mad story. <laughs> but that's what that. Yeah, so there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from the wonderful, amazing, he is a set of scissors that's been stuck under some white tack. It is Travis. Bye. Say goodbye, Travis. Travis. And he is literally that key that used to work in the shed but now doesn't work in the shed because the shed's lock has now been changed and you don't remember what the key is that opens the shed. It is David. Say goodbye, David. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Actually perfect for him. <laughs> and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe for all sixes. And uh, look, you've got junk drawers. You know you've got junk drawers. I know you've got junk junk drawers. We've all got junk drawers. It's about time you turn that actual fact into a cardboard reality. So go out and check out junk drawers. (laughs) But until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. (laughs) 